Yo, what's up? Dr. Swole here, MD bodybuilder, back with another episode on Swole Radio. So today I have the fortune of being joined again by Jeff Alberts, who's, as most of you should know, is a world-renowned natural bodybuilder and a natural bodybuilding coach at 3DMJ, one of the best in the world. Uh, placed sixth at Worlds at the age of 48 in uh, bodybuilding and is definitely a wealth of experience and knowledge. So today we're going to be talking about the current situation with coronavirus. It's March 28th. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing pretty good. Matt, you, you build me up like I'm just this magical, special dude, but I'm just a guy like everybody else that just lifts weights. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm just a n normal dude, man. With that's just been doing it for a long time. So hopefully, my experience can maybe help someone. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, what's the situation like for you where you are right now? Um. So I'm in California, and I'm like where I live is about an hour, hour and a half outside of the Bay Area. So, of course, you know, the Bay Area is highly populated, um, but where I'm at in the Valley, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm in a fairly decently large city, but I think uh, in my county, it's not super prevalent here. Um, but still, with that said, I'm very, very uh, conservative just by nature. Um, so, of course, as a, as a, you know, father and husband, I'm a protector. So, I'm always on, on top of my wife, hey, you need to stay inside don't be going out. And she's kind of a little bit opposite. She's definitely more social than I am. So I think it's effect impacting her a little bit more so than me because the last 10 years of my life, personally, it's almost like I've been under quarantine as an online coach. I work from home for 10 years. So <laughs> yeah. my daily life is kind of similar, you know, because I'm always at home and I'm very fortunate enough to have a home gym. So you know, everything I've done over the last 10 years, work from home, train from home. And so personally, it hasn't impacted me too much. But as a dad, it's impacted me just because I'm like on edge because I am that protector. And um, of course, with the, the economic situation as well, you know, when people don't have gyms to train at, um, you know, it does impact, you know, our field, our business, you know, of, of coaching and things like that. So it's definitely impacting here at home, uh, but I'm trying to just, you know, take it as a half glass full mindset, trying to stay positive and just taking it day by day. But, you know, thankfully we're all healthy here at home. So that's, that's the main thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So today I think we're going to talk a little bit about just mindset in terms of approaching this whole uh, pandemic situation. And we'll talk a little bit about nuts and bolts of training and diet and discussing ways of making the best of this time. Uh, just as a note, there was a recent episode on the 3DMJ podcast where 3DMJ coaches, including Jeff, talk about uh, really go into this coronavirus thing and how to approach it. And it was a really uplifting, I feel. And um, thanks for doing that. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, and I think this one too, I think even for me personally, like on a personal level, like when you said, hey, Jeff, you want to come on and do a podcast about this? I'm like, yeah, because to me, just being able to sit down with someone to talk about, you know, personal stuff, you know, we're all human. We're all experiencing this 
it's impacting us, you know, on different levels. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just therapeutic to be able to share my thoughts. And even if it doesn't help the masses, even if it just only helps one person, it's worth taking the time. So in a way, it's like me sharing my journey, um, even before the coronavirus. It's always been kind of a therapeutic thing, kind of helps me. Because um, I know I'm helping at least someone out there. Um, yeah. It kind of just takes me away from my reality. Um, so this morning for an hour or whatever, um, it's me getting away and just, you know, potentially helping somebody and therapeutic on my end. Yeah. And I think, in, in especially for us bodybuilders, it's, since we're such a rare breed, I guess it's sometimes hard for other people to relate. So it's really nice to be able to connect. And when this one, when this first, this whole situation first came out, um, this, I was, I was 10 days out from my first show and, uh, oh, shit. and yeah, uh, and it got yeah. canceled and it got canceled. Everything got canceled. And I remember the first day, like when I first got the news, um, actually today is supposed to be the day of my show. Um, yeah, like it was 10 days ago when mm -hmm. everything got canceled and I was just feeling really lost. And I, I actually saw a post by you on Instagram where you were talking about not to give up hope and really giving a positive light on the situation. And that made a huge difference for me. And I think there are a lot of athletes out there, preppers and bodybuilders who are also going to be similarly uh, uplifted. I mean, yeah, it's like, if we think about it, like bodybuilding is so minuscule, you know, as far as like priorities in life, like it's an, it's an important endeavor. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a great hobby to do and it's, it's a positive thing, but at the same time, it's like, what matters most is, you know, family, friends, and, you know, your overall well-being. And there's going to be shows in the future. You know, we're going to get past this. There's going to be shows in the future. And even, you know, prior to, you know, this situation, that's what I tell a lot of my athletes is that shows are a dime a dozen, you know, and your family and friends is what really is most important. And so that's kind of what's my outlook with this is that, you know, even if let's say we can't do shows or let's say your, your training environment isn't what you're accustomed to, it's changed. And I don't think people will see regression um, if they're still training regardless, but we can talk about that later on in the podcast. But just the fact that, you know, if you do lose some gains or whatever, it's temporary. But obviously, if you lose your health, that's permanent, you know, mm -hmm. or if your family members get sick, that could have some bad consequences and that could be permanent. So to me, it's like, hey, you know, let's just, you know, just appreciate what we do have, not what we what we, we can't do. You know, it's more like focus on what you can do. Um, and it is frustrating, though. Don't get me wrong. I can only imagine if I was 10 days out from a show. And I've been training for years, right? Like training for years to develop a physique and then dieting for weeks and weeks and weeks to present it. And then all of a sudden it's like, that's gone. Uh, but at the same time, you have to kind of look back and think about, okay, what did I, what did I accomplish? Um, and sure you didn't get to celebrate it, but you gained a lot of knowledge, I'm sure going through the process um, and getting to the end. And hopefully you captured that physique with some good photos uh, at least because that's what I've encouraged people to do is like, Hey, if you're, you've been prepping and you're deep into a prep, 
capture that, like get a photo shoot, do something, or just get some good quality photos yourself to capture that. Because when I look back at my career, like especially, you know, last year's, you know, competitions back in 2014, those shows, like I'm reflecting more on the photos than I am the actual shows. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, you know, looking at the pictures going, wow, okay, I created that. Like to me, that's a trophy that's you're going to have for the rest of your life. And you're always going to remember that more so than, oh yeah, I placed first place in, in this show or whatever. And yeah. so, so that's kind of my, more or less, I'm trying to help my athletes through now that are, some of them are still prepping, you know, with the hopes that, you know, they're not going to keep postponing shows in the fall. Yeah, wow. Um, but at this, you know, you think about it too, it's like, let's say you let go of this goal, you just stop. Like to me, it's almost like if you keep moving with your goal, as long as it's safe and it's healthy, that that's kind of like a good movie, right? You go to movie theater for two hours, you escape reality for two hours. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like people's training, the like if they're prepping or whatever, that can be someone's escape. Might not might not be for everybody. Like there's some people that I've that I had a couple athletes say, you know what, Jeff, I just can't do it right now, and that's okay. That's okay, because everybody's different. Like I said earlier, it's like it's impacting people differently. So, you know, if there's some people that are prepping and that's their escape, then I'm definitely want to support that. Again, as long as it's it's on the healthier side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this has been really powerful in terms of, yeah, just zooming out. And first of all, thinking about priorities and what really matters is that we're healthy and the people that we love are healthy. And after that, you know, it's just in the long, on the long scale in terms of time, it's just going to be a blip in the horizon. And I think a good way of thinking about it for me was, yeah, in terms of the thinking about the shows and the placing in trophies was to think back to say my old, you know, track and field days in high school. And I remember my coach at the time telling me, Oh, all that matters is your actual performance, like the time that you run and, the trophy you get, like she would tell me stories of her athletes through like throwing out trophies in the garbage because in the end, what does, what does that really, when you, when you think back to say an athletic event from your, as, as a teenager and it mattered so much the time, whether you place first or second and you look back on it and you, you don't even remember and like all that matters is, is the memories and the experiences. Thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, like if I, I'm trying to think back, like if I was in my early 20s, first started, when I was first starting competing and my older self, like myself now said, hey, Jeff, you need to chill about the winning and all that. And I probably wouldn't have listened to it or I wouldn't have fully understood it. So it's kind of easy for me now with, with like all of the years of experience that I've had, all the shows that I've done, all the preps that I've done to have the mindset I have now. Um, so I know for some people, it's not, it's probably going to be hard to comprehend that, that mindset. Cause it's like, man, you put, again, you put so much work into something and then now you don't get to show it off. It, it can be disheartening. Um, but again, it's, it's super important just to just think about the grand scheme of things. Like we're talking like major sports like every all sports are basically shut down they just moved to the olympics to next year so i mean basically the world is shutting down right now mm -hmm. and that's just kind of 
shows you the 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 scheme of this is like how how just crazy it is right now so to think like okay a bodybuilding show yeah it sucks you don't get to do it or whatever but man we're talking like a, a serious situation where to me i'm for me on a personal level it's getting me like when i look at my son now like just playing in the, in the backyard playing with them it like makes me look at him on a deeper level like there's no guarantee that we're going to be here tomorrow or a month from now or a year from now. So on a personal level too, like, like when Kobe Bryant passed away, mm. I'm not, I was not a Kobe Bryant fan prior to that. Like, I mean, I watched him play, you know, on TV and, and I appreciated, you know, basically the talent level, the work ethic, all that, but I wasn't like, you know, a fan or anything like that. But when he passed, it was like, it as a father it made me feel really really bad for him and his family because it just kind of awakened me even more like there's no guarantees on anything so to me it's like even if let's say for you who didn't get to compete in your show tent you know today which would have been your show just appreciate the fact that we're still here we're able to actually have a conversation and just be in the moment and be present and appreciate the fact that we're able to do this. Um, and this is our second podcast and now we get to get to know each other even a little bit better. So there's things in life that I guess that I can look on, like, you know, the, the tragic death of Kobe Bryant or what we're facing today. It just makes me appreciate what I do have that much more. Um, and that's to me is like more important than, Hey, I'm missing out on a show. Um, you know, and, and in the end too, like you think about it, if we're on our deathbed, I don't think we're going to be like, you know, let's say it's 50 years from now or whatever. Um, maybe less for me cause I'm older. Uh, maybe though I might be a hundred make it, but you know, we're not going to think about a bodybuilding show. We're going to think about family, friends, maybe the experiences that we've shared together. Um, so to me, it's like, yeah, it's a little disheartening that we're missing on some of these things. Um, but they're not, uh, they're not necessities necessarily. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely made me, uh, rethink my perspective. And I think something that you guys talked mm -hmm. about on the, your podcast that you, you brought up that I really resonated with was how, sort of impactful it was to have this reactionary mindset in terms of this pandemic it's been it's it's such a serious thing and you really actually felt a quite like yeah I initially wanted to had this control response and I think a lot of bodybuilders have this sort of obsessive compulsive personality type or trending towards it where you just want to be in control of everything and when you when you don't have control you initially feel anxiety and and, and you want to really like wrest control back uh to yourself and when it's taken from you you actually felt like i actually felt a lot more at peace when i realized you know there's nothing that i can there's nothing i can do to change the situation and you just got to take things day by day and roll with it that's just it i mean we can't control what's going on like and I, I like just to kind of talk more like on a bodybuilding level, mm -hmm. like all of a sudden everybody's the way their way of doing things got flipped up upside down. 
you know, because basically we're used to these fancy commercial gyms. Um, you know, we have all these bodybuilding shows. Like basically, our life as a in the bodybuilding world just got flipped upside down. So of course, people are going to be like, "Oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? I can't, you know, I can't use that uh, nice uh, leg press at the gym anymore. How am I going to make quad gains? <laughs> exactly. Things like that. So things got flipped upside down, and instead of like. And I knew right away, like as a coach, I'm like, okay, I need to calm my athletes down. Before I even got any reports or anything like that, it was over the weekend too. It was like on a Sunday, I'm like, all right, when I get up in the morning on Monday, I need to be basically proactive and get a video out to all my athletes and just kind of give them, you know, my perspective on things and kind of how I'm looking at things as, you know, focusing on what I can do versus what I can't do. Um, and just kind of reassuring that, hey, you know, family, friends is the priority still. And, you know, as far as training goes, you know, even if things change with training and we're creating stimulus, we're not going to see any muscle loss. Um, and that was, I used one of my experiences from when I went on my vacations last year during prep and I was training using the five gallon water jug. Who would have known that, you know, that training with a five gallon water jug all of a sudden is like a popular thing to do now. Um, <laughs> but it was just like, okay, I got back from vacation and you know, I didn't lose muscle mass and you know, I didn't lose, I wasn't seeing any regression or anything. So it's just more like in a reassurance video to everybody that we're going to be okay. Um, but like you said, it's like everybody's, it's just everything got flipped upside down. And, you know, I think as, as like you said, as bodybuilders, we're kind of control freaks. We have to have everything in order or we have to, we yeah. want to know everything ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And like, that's why we look up to like these guys online or, you know, the social media stars, like we think they have all the answers. So we're looking to, we're looking up at everybody, looking externally to get all these answers ahead of time to give us that sense of security. Like, mm -hmm. okay, if I follow it, like, um, like Eric Helm says, then I know I'm going to be okay because, you know, he's knowledgeable. He has expertise. He, he's, he's been there. He's done it. So you're like, okay, if I do it like he him, like what he's saying, then I'm going to be okay. So it gives you a sense of security. But you pull all that stuff away, then everybody's a mess. But to me, I'm looking at it as like, okay, what a great opportunity for everybody. Like, yeah, it sucks. Don't get me wrong with what's going on in the world. Like, I wish it wouldn't happen. But it's given people an opportunity in the bodybuilding world to see and experience other types of training. And actually, in a sense, they're kind of running, going by, by feel now. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think I've seen anybody, at least in my social media world, I haven't seen anybody post anything that says, I'm training still, but I'm, I'm losing. I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm shrinking. Mm -hmm. You know, I, haven't, I don't think I've seen anybody say that just yet. Yeah, <laughs> I would say people that stop training altogether, like you're probably going to see, yeah, some some regression. Uh, from my years of experience, like the times where I've actually seen regression is when I stopped training, mm -hmm. not when I've been suboptimal with training. Maybe yeah. progress is maybe your progress moving forward if you don't have all that fancy equipment and and maybe you know your performance isn't where it should be. Yeah, maybe you're not progressing at let's say five percent rate that you were prior. Maybe you're now you're at one percent, but you're still moving forward. Mm -hmm. And that's pro that that's you should look at that as like, okay, that's 
that's right now, that's the current optimal. And I would be super happy with that. If I was going the other way, like, and that's basically caused by not training, then that's a problem. So, and if you stop training, like think of the times maybe when you stopped training, how did it make you feel? I know for me personally, when I stop training and I see regression, not only does it feel shitty not to train because you're like, oh, I should be training. But when you see the regression, it's like a double whammy. You're like, oh, I don't like the way it feels because I'm not training. But now I really hate the way it feels because now I don't look the way I want to look. Oh, yeah. So to me, that kind of just you kind of spiral out of control. So especially right now with what's going on in the world, it's like, yeah, okay, you know, our health is definitely the most important thing, our family, but at the same time, you have to take care of yourself too. And I know for me personally, I'm encouraging all my other, hey, you got to train, even if it's doing push-ups or whatever, that's, that's your movie time, that's your escape from reality, but it's going to keep you grounded through this. So that's something positive you can grab, that you can gravitate towards when maybe everything is very uncertain around you outside of like your training outside of the gym environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there are actually going to be a few ways that I, that people can turn this into an even a fully positive uh, uh, situation, even from a bodybuilding standpoint. And I think that there are actual benefits that this time is going to give people that they actually wouldn't have had otherwise um, just in terms of, the fact that it's forcing us to learn, learn, learn about ourselves, learn about how our bodies move and, uh, and how we can sort of program through difficult situations or things that might not seem optimal on paper. Um, I, I wanted to ask Ashley on the note of your, um, it was, it was funny seeing the, uh, videos of you, uh, with your water jug training, like smeared all over Instagram. And uh, it was, it was great actually, because it was just what we needed to see at the time. Um, are there any, can you recall any sort of long extended periods of time when you were, when you had op- suboptimal training as you would look back on now and sort of how that impacted you? Well, it's interesting. I could look back at my training from the time I was probably like in my early 20s all the yeah. way to my late 30s when I was training <laughs> with Mike Mincer's and Dorian Yates's hit training, like low volume, high intensity. Like, yeah, it was a, it was effective. So let's say my progress rate was 2%. But once I got into my late 30s and now where I'm at now, you know, by learning other methods, a um, little more volume, less intensity, deloads, diet, like all these things that we know now, as far as the knowledge, yeah, my, my progress is much better now. So here's the thing. It's like, even though I was lifting heavy ass weight, it still could have been more optimal. And that's the thing now it's like, because people aren't in their fancy, don't have their fancy equipment. Now they don't have like the loading. Um, they think they're not going to make progress. So I I've seen this where people are like, right now they're like, I can't train and they're just choosing not to train altogether because their, their environment's changed. So to me, it's like, okay, there's other ways to make progress other than just how much weight we're lifting. You know, it, it, there's, there's all kinds of different tools that we can use. Myo reps, blood flow restriction training, um, body weight, resistance bands. Um, we, we know through the research that, you know, higher reps creates, 
uh, hypertrophy as long as we're getting close to failure or we're taking it to failure quite often. Um, of course, there's drawbacks to that type of thing because obviously the the demand of training is 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 pretty high. It's different too, like going from training with you know heavy weights to all of a sudden light. Like it's like holy shit, I think I'm gonna throw up now because the endurance mm-hmm. factor. But like with anything, the body adapts over time, and you learn. Okay, shit, that was hard. Maybe I need an extra day off or something like that. Um, so again, like you said, it's like a chance to learn more about yourself. Um, but yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's just, it's a, to me, it's like an opportunity again. And, and the thing too, is that I think, and this is my prediction is that prior to this in the bodybuilding world, you know, everything was evidence-based and we had to have some type of evidence to justify the things that we're doing. And if we didn't have that, we, oh, it's wrong. But now I think people are going to really realize like, okay, I don't have to be quote unquote perfect or optimal quote unquote. Like you're going to learn like, okay, optimal is, is what you can do practically and sensibly according to the circumstances that you're under your life circumstance. So when we get, hopefully we get back to real life sooner than later, right? Like back to normalcy. Um, I think people might be a little bit more relaxed once they get back into their, their normal environment. Like, okay, and that's kind of where I've been the last few years with myself is understanding that with my context, you know, I know how to maneuver my day to day. And it might not be quote unquote, according to what science is saying all the time. But for me, my own journey, my own personal trial and error, my science experiment on myself, I know it more or less works and doesn't work because I've gotten myself away from looking externally all the time and, and looking at those people that maybe are, are up here, like I have to do everything according to that. It's like, yeah, they can get me into the ballpark, but I'm the one who has to play the game mm-hmm. according oh, yeah. to what I'm experiencing. So I think, I think in the end, when we get out of this, hopefully, like I said, sooner than later, I think it might help to relax a lot of people because a lot of people are just like, they get paralyzed, you know, over minutia. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's my prediction. We'll see though. But. Oh yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think just the fact that we have the, the choice to the freedom to do so many things in, um, in normal life sort of gives us the, the, the chance to be so obsessive and rigid, I think, as uh, I think, um, a prep story of mine would be when I was, uh, I remember showing to the, the grocery store and they didn't have the exact brand of oats that I usually bought. And I mean, like logically, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, like, meltdown, huh? <laughs> and logically it's like, dude, like they're the same. It's the same thing. It's biologically the same thing. And I still like, I still waited, you know, till the next week to, to stock up on my oats because I, and then it, because it was possible, you know, and like, I think the fact that now that, that's been taken away from us in terms of the, the the degree of control that we have. I think it'll give us a lot of confidence that, you know, these things that logically shouldn't matter, like, or, or not necessarily don't matter, but the, the fact that you can still, um, you can still make progress in, uh, in these quote on paper suboptimal situations, it, it'll give us a lot of uh, reassurance in the future in, in terms of, our own programming that you know it's going to be okay 
I think so. Um, you know who Rick Barry is? No, probably actually. before. So Rick Barry is like a pretty damn good basketball player from like the seventies. Um, he used to play for the Warriors actually, and he had a very unorthodox free throw. So basically, he did a granny style. You know, he just basically shot it. Oh, un- shot it under. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he 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 was really good at that. Like I, I think his uh, career free throw percentage is eighty nine percent. So that's like wow. almost nine out of ten shots he yeah. can make, granny style. Well, if you kind of think about it, like right now, everybody is now Rick Barry. Because, mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of how I kind of base the way I do things. Like, because people look at, from the outside looking in at my training, because they think, oh, just a low volume trainer. He only does nine or ten exercises at any given time. So I was always perceived as like this outlier or someone who just is like totally against the grain. But, but see, this thing is like everybody is kind of like, you know, doing things like the normal way, right? Or according to like we're to keep talking about like the science guys. Hey, this is regular free throws. Um, here's Jeff doing Rick Barry granny style shots and it works. Mm-hmm. But I perfected my shot, right? So that's why I'm pretty successful is because even though I'm not going with the grain, I'm against the grain, but I've learned to perfect that. And I think now, especially we have to think about, okay, if this pandemic goes on for a while and we all, we do have to do this social distancing for a while, what are we going to do? Are we going to, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have to learn how to be a Rick Barry. You're going to have to learn how to perfect the shot that you're taking now. So whether that's, hey, I only have resistance bands to train, or I only have a five-gallon water jug, or I only have 20-pound dumbbells, or whatever whatever equipment you have, or whatever your training environment is, it's now different than what it used to be. Now you have to, you're, you're kind of forced to shoot granny shots. Mm-hmm. So it's either, it's either you fight that and go, oh, shit, my shot is just going to suck, or you say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to make, I'm going to make this bitch mine and I'm going to, I'm going to perfect it. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, goes back to, Hey, it's, it's a half glass full mindset. Work with what you got perfected. It's your own, it's your own time right now. It's your, it's your trial and error. Uh, make it work best you can. Um, and then, you know, hopefully when we go back to some normalcy, okay. Yeah. I, I rather prefer to go back to my fancy lake press. Well, that's okay mm-hmm. too. And when the time's right, you go back to it. But right now, that's kind of how I look at things right now. It's like we're, we're all take, kind of taking those granny shots. Uh, so we just need to learn to perfect it the best we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, sort of on the – to go a bit more into nuts and bolts, um, what would be your advice for, I guess, uh, exercise programming? I guess we could go into mainly just the, the big muscle groups like leg training. Uh, what are you recommending for athletes? Let's say we're talking about a pretty advanced athlete who suddenly has zero access to to any equipment, like zero, none, body weight, yeah, yeah, <laughs> blood flow restriction. Okay. Yeah. So body weight, like sissy squats, body weight squats, body weight lunges. Um, just use so just basically anybody who's listening, just Google blood flow restriction training. Um, get some knowledge on it, but basically that's what I would be doing. Um, you can do hip thrusts that way, one-legged hip thrusts. You can do one-legged RDLs. 
you know, using blood flow restriction, you can you can do your calves, body weight, standing calf raises, um, and that kind of covers your basis. Mm -hmm. um, you know, upper body, we can do plyo push-ups, push-ups, regular push-ups. You can change your the spacing of your your hand spacing. Go wider, get a little more delts. Go a little narrower, get some triceps in there. You can incline push-ups. You can decline push-ups. Um, so you're basically covering your chest. You're covering a little bit of your front delts, a little bit of medial delts, getting your triceps hit. Um, then from there, I mean, if you have a pull-up bar or you can do, you know, hang off a tree limb or something, you can do pull-ups. Um, you can do inverted rows. Like I, when I was on vacation, I used the dining room table, did inverted rows to hit my back. Um, mm -hmm. You can also lift your suitcase, fill your yeah. suitcase with books or whatever, <laughs> your backpacks. Um, so it's kind of endless um, what you can do. And I put it even on my Instagram story. I just showed my son doing ketchup rows, basically grabbing a ketchup bottle and doing rows. Not, hey, everybody should go out there and use ketchup bottles. But the point being, you can grab anything of weight and lift it. It, gravity is that's the my, my 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 tagline now weight is weight gravity is gravity mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter what items we're using as long as we're replicating movement patterns and obviously if the rep range is getting higher then we got to get closer to failure so if we're looking at 15 reps or above like you definitely need to go closer to failure if not going to failure um but i mean yeah it's kind of endless um myo reps is another one like like look up myo reps. So basically it's just taking, let's say your first set. Um, so let's say like I did them yesterday. So I did push-ups. And what's that? I did a whole workout yesterday with push-ups and just uh, resistance bands because I felt guilty because I have a nice home gym. So I'm like, well, <laughs> let me see. Let me do this workout with bands. One, as a coach, I can get experience actually taking myself through a training session. So I, in a sense, getting myself in the same environment a lot of other people are in right now. Um, to see how actually, you know, these workouts are, if they are effective or what. And man, I did my reps for the entire workout. So for the push-ups, I was doing um, incline push-ups. So first set, I just went to complete failure. I think I was in the neighborhood of like 25 reps on the first set, somewhere in there. Um, and then what you do is you take three to five deep breaths in between sets after that. So once you get those three to five deep breaths in, you go right back at it. And you go to complete failure again and typically you'll get anywhere between maybe 25 to 50 percent of the reps you would do in the first set mm -hmm. and then you just do like three clusters of that you just okay you go to failure on that second set take three to five more deep breaths then bang out another set and basically repeat that process three times so it's one main set three cluster sets and i was done i was wiped out like i was like just super super pumped engorged and basically I did the rest of the workout in that same fashion with bands. Um, so I was doing rows with the elastic bands. I was doing um, overhead press with the bands, um, overhead tricep presses, um, curls. Um, what else did I do yesterday? I think that was basically it. I did a whole upper body session in that fashion. I was wiped out. And then this morning, the reason I got up at four, when we first came on, I got up at four. Yeah. Oh man, because I was like, sore already and i know like later today i'm gonna be super sore it's a different style of training i'm not used to it but it was definitely intense like i took everything to failure so i know in my mind like okay the only thing the only way i'm gonna see atrophy is if i stop training altogether 
So here I just did pretty solid workout, had plenty of stimulus. How can I not make progress? Muscles mm-hmm. are still being stimulated. So at the very least, you know, let's say, hey, at the very least, I'm going to maintain muscle mass, which I think in this situation would be a victory for a lot of people, you know, to come away from this not losing any gains at all. So, again, that's just one example of how to be effective with your training. And there's a lot of other tools, too, that you can do um, to keep progress moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it'll definitely get our uh, creative juices moving in terms of ways to make things hard. And I think I, I was actually just uh, reading a, uh, a recent uh, review paper on just the literature around hypertrophy that was published this year, and the what they what they talk about is that what likely matters most is the overall degree of effort. I think is some something like how they put it, which is basically just how hard you're making the training, which which is a an aggregate of all the different training variables in terms of volume, intensity, and even rest periods and uh, other things like the the metabolic sort of stress or or the burn as you might call it. So I think that basically what they're saying is that you can get to there are a lot of different avenues to get to hyper hypertrophy, and it's more like a combination of all of these uh, factors and not just not just volume or weight on the bar. Exactly. Like I mean, when we were in our own training environment, right back in our gyms. Like if you did 10 sets of something, but the weight was so light, like the intensity was just so low, like that's not going to make you grow. Like if you're doing 10 pound curls, like 10 sets of 10, but yet let's say there's like 10 reps in reserve on each of those sets, like you're not growing. You need, you need, like you said, a balance of everything. You need to have enough load there to, to create a stimulus. So like right now, most people's situation is they don't have the load. So then it becomes, okay, how can I get creative enough to create that stimulus? So again, that's why I said training closer to failure is going to be more or less kind of like more important right now for a lot of people's situation. So like I said, with the resistance bands, like a lot of the the, the first sets that I was doing, like we're, I was touching anywhere between 15 and, and 20, 25 reps on the first set, just because it's just, I couldn't get enough resistance with the bands that I had anyways. Mm-hmm. So I knew like, okay, I need to go all the way to failure on this first set. And then, like I said, there's like taking three to five deep breaths. That's a short rest period. Mm-hmm. So when I go into the next set, in a sense, I don't have to do now 15 reps to get fatigued in order to get that, that basically getting the type one, type two to fire. Like it's right mm-hmm. away, like it's hard right away on that next set because I'm taking such a short rest time. So that's kind of the, the concept be, behind that is just to basically create more demand, you know, instead of like doing all these fluffy uh, reps ahead of time. So that's mm-hmm. why you kind of take shit to failure on that first set. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, that's the thing right now. It's just people don't have the loading and that's, that's, that is a, definitely a key component to, you know, creating enough demand and stimulus to create hypertrophy is we have to have that loading there to some degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think that it'll be interesting to, uh, it'll be good for a lot of people to sort of uh, experiment with this style of training or what some people might call metabolite training 
where you're really focusing on uh, sequestering this sort of uh, uh, getting that pump. And it, I mean, it, it's definitely been theorized as a mechanism towards hypertrophy itself, at least from a purely scientific uh, standpoint. And I think that a lot of us are used to the heavy uh, barbell or dumbbell self training. And we really just think about the weight on the bar and we don't, um, we've, we, I like, we don't routinely program in these sort of metabolite blocks. But I think it, I, I actually suspect that it'll have a, a beneficial role, even, uh, even compared to normal training, if you add this in every once in a while. It's definitely, like I said earlier, it's definitely hard to train that way, especially if you're not used to it, because it's like, man, it just creates, like you have to have a lot of endurance, like it builds your endurance up. Mm. So that's like, that's an exciting thing too, is like, okay, I'm actually training uh, in a different capacity now. Like you're gonna learn more about yourself from that standpoint. And if you look at CrossFitters, like the, the, the really good CrossFitters, I mean, look how they train, like they're jacked and they're conditioned. Like to me, I don't, I don't consider myself an athlete because with my style of training is just like, all right, I'm going to do three sets of a leg press for eight to 10 reps and that's it. Right. Whereas these guys are freaking carrying shit for, for, you know, hundred meters or whatever. Like those guys are athletes. So if you think like, like you look at those guys and like, okay, look at them, they're pretty jacked for, and you look at that style of training. I mean, that's, if you look at that, that should give you some peace of mind. Like, hey, yeah. I can, I can, I can do these other forms or styles of training and still develop a pretty good physique. Um, <laughs> and I, and one thing I was like, like Eric Helms on his Instagram page a while back, he was putting a lot of old time bodybuilders on there, and I kind of went back to that, especially with what we're going through now. I'm like, these guys from the late 1800s, early 1900s, where there was no you know, steroids or any of that. But you look at their physiques, like, okay, these guys are pretty jacked. Um, and some of them are just as big, if not bigger than I am. And here I am in the year 2020. And these guys, like, this is over 100 years ago. They didn't have the fancy equipment that we have now. They didn't have the knowledge that we have now. But look at their physiques. And, you know, a lot of times you look at that, and you're like, okay, that was built just through effort, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they, like maybe they're doing some things that you're like, whoa, what are they doing? That's that's not the wisest thing to do, but because of the 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 ethic, the work ethic, you know, the hard work and the consistency, they still yielded results. So to me, it's like that's kind of I'm kind of pushing people to look at that era right now because, again, people's mindset is, oh, I don't have these fancy gyms, I I'm not gonna be able to make progress. Well, if you just take a look back in history. It'll give you some peace of mind, and it's kind of inspiring. Like these guys, they built a lot with nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I think that brings me to another the the sort of next big benefit I think we could see with this period, and that is the fact that in the absence of having heavy heavy weights to move, it's really going to force us to think about mind muscle connection, and sort of learning and think really thinking about how can I make this movement harder with less weight, which I actually think is a highly underrated thing. And it's, and uh, initially when I got into the science sort of sphere of bodybuilding, I would look on the, the old bros or the old uh, IFBB pros who would always be talking about how to 
make things harder and, and and use less weight. And I didn't really understand because I thought like all that mattered was that I could fucking like uh, <laughs> like push like heavy weight, bro. But um, you uh, well, as you as you get more into it, you realize that there's a there's a lot of benefit to to sort of teaching your 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 the right muscles to fire and knowing how to execute movements for the most efficiency for the target muscle actually uh, makes you that much more uh, uh, yeah efficient in the gym and I think it's a big component of bodybuilding where it's sort of the skill of the sport where you actually uh, as you get more experience you learn to target muscles better I agree with that like if you like my thought is this like even when I'm training with heavier loads I try to make my top sets look like warm-up sets, like from start to finish, not just with the first couple reps, but even the last ones that are grinders, I try to make it look flawless. Um, because I know if I'm like perfect with technique and form uh, from start to finish, even on those harder reps, that I know the intended muscle that I'm trying to target, it's, it's doing the work. So I'm not relying on momentum or leverage change, you know, it's trying to lean back in a lift or something like that to gain an advantage is with leverage to move the weight. Um, so like you said, now I think with not having like the loading, like people are going to have to rely a little bit more on, you know, maybe rep speed and slowing things down. And, and that's what I was doing with the bands yesterday. It was like, okay, if I like on a row, I'm like, if I pull super hard, it's going to be super easy, you know, because it's more like, it's like a rubber band snapping. So I had to basically slow rep speed down to keep the tension on the musculature through the entire range of motion. As I was pulling closer to my body, like the initial start of the rep is super easy because there's no tension there. But as the band stretch back, they get, it gets a little bit harder and harder. So I was kind of just pulling with super, super control going so like purposely slowing rep speed down. And, you know, over the course of 20 reps, that shit got pretty hard and I was on fire. Like my muscles were on fire. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it might not be, let's say, as optimal as like my, my row machine in my garage where I can load 200 pounds on it. Um, and, and I'm definitely going to get more, obviously, more tension there with the load. But at least with the, the, with the, with the bands, what I have... I was getting the most out of it. And that was the only way I can get the most out of it would it slow reps me down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and I think it's mm -hmm. just like, again, we have this if we, with what equipment you have, it becomes how can I be super, super efficient with it? And it's going to look different with what you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the Rose example is a really good one because um, as I've gotten more experience, you, you, you start thinking about, say, moving moving just at the shoulder and like really just moving that humerus rather than um i remember when i first started out training i walked into the gym and i said you know what i'm gonna move i, I want to dumbbell roll the heaviest dumbbells in the gym and i like as long as the dumbbell hits my chest like that's a that's a that's a great rep and uh, I, I was probably swinging a ton and and bring my biceps into it and um and uh it's when you develop that sort of connection to the movement, uh, you you 
you still get um, that stimulus and probably even a lot more with, uh, with, with less overall stress to the body. And now I even, now when I look back on it, now, now when I go into the gym, I say, like, I don't want to move those heavy dumbbells, like, especially with prep going on. Like, I don't want to go in and have to slug around this 120 pound dumbbell because that's just going to generate a lot of fatigue, which I think is another uh, factor that uh, becomes more important when you're more experienced. Yeah, what's interesting is like uh, I had a, one of my athletes that came to visit me from Singapore. Um, so he stayed at my house and he wanted to train. I'm like, okay, I'll take you in the garage and we'll train. Um, so just a little concept of, okay, I told him, all right, so what I want you to do is when we get deep into your sets and it starts to get hard, I want you to really focus on not letting your anxiety build up. Because usually when things get super, super hard, right, we get anxious. We get a lot of anxiety and that's, that takes energy. So I was like, okay, I want you to relax. Like when it starts to get really hard, the last rep or two, control your breathing, control your facial expressions. I don't want you like yelling and screaming. Like when you're doing these reps, like really just almost sense be Bruce Lee and be super calm, super poised. And he was quite surprised that what he thought was supposed to be maybe one or two more reps. He actually got like three or four more. So just those little nuances like that can change your, the, just the effectiveness of your training. So it's kind of like a football coach, right? They'll like diagram plays on a chalkboard, like here, this is how we're going to run it. But until you're actually on the field, then those, those coaches on the field can do these little nuances to basically open up, let's say a hole for the running back to run through like a bigger hole, the way maybe this tackle turns to block or something like, like these little nuances that we do in the gym can change a lot. So again, that's kind of like, if you look at the science, we're putting things on the chalkboard, but when you go to actually apply it, whether it's in a weight room or whether it's a contest prep, it's these little nuances that can that really make a huge difference. So that's for me personally, when people look at my style of training, how it's really just very simple. They think anyways, like, hmm. oh, he only does nine to 10 exercises. He only does three sets, two sets, whatever. Um, doesn't look like much, but it's those little nuances in the gym that I do that I get the efficiency. And when you're efficient, you become more effective. So those are the things that, are, that like, I think people really need to focus on now is if you only have a training band, you only have a 15-pound dumbbell, or it's just body weight, you got to learn how to become very efficient with what you're doing. It, become, it comes down to practicality. What's, what's the most practical right now to get the job done? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shit, man. I thought uh, yelling and screaming was anabolic. It looks cool. Don't get me wrong. On video, it's like, man, that guy's getting after it. But like, if, like the way I, how I learned this and how I come to this realization, because I used to be like, I remember training with this, this guy, he used to live in my court um, and we would go to the gym together and he was kind of like one of those tough type guys. We would be the loudest ones in the gym. So everybody nice. would watch us like these guys get after it. But now I can look back on that like, man, okay, I probably could have been far more effective. And and the way I learned that technique of like staying really controlled and all that, like I was looking at other sports. I was watching tennis and I'm watching like Pete Sampras, 
Roger Federer, like these dudes when they when they serve and when they hit their ground strokes, like yeah, there's some grunting there, but everything is like flawless. The mechanics are flawless. Mm-hmm. And they always seem to be in control. Like, yeah, they hit the ball, then they grunt or yell, but they're in control the entire time up until that point. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I need to mimic that. If I mimic mm-hmm. that in the gym, then I'll probably be more effective. And same thing, you look at boxers. Like, if you see a boxer that's wild with his punches, you know, and he's out of control, like, he's the, he's the boxer that's going to get clocked. Mm-hmm. But you see those boxers that are in control, um, that, yeah, I mean, if you look at, like, Bernard Hopkins, I don't know if anybody knows who that is, but look up Bernard Hopkins and watch some of his fights. Guy's a tactician. Like, he was always in control mentally. And he was, like, pretty damn good boxer. So that's kind of more or less, like, where I learned that was not actually in, body, in the bodybuilding world. It's more like looking at other sports. Yeah, no, that's, uh, those are good points for sure. Um Coming back to sort of the restrictions that we have on weights, uh, what would you recommend for people in terms of progressive overload over time? Because I think that's going to be a big uh, obstacle for people who don't have a sort of micro-loadable weight set. You want to be honest? Like, mm-hmm. I'm telling people, don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and to me, it's like, if you can get in there and do more than you did last time with whatever training you're doing right now great but if you can't again take yourself take a big step back and think about what's going on in the world and think about what's truly important you know hey okay so you can't do one more push-up than you did last training session you're still training you're still moving you're breathing you're training so to me it's like relax like if even if you can't make the same type of progressions you typically make you're still in you stay in the moment and realize like okay i'm actually training i'm moving my body and you're probably not going to see any regression if you have that same intensity like if you're pushing yourself um like i'm thinking about like yesterday like how can i make these bands like how can i progress it well i mean yeah there's ways to progress it i mean yeah okay maybe i can instead of doing three clusters on my reps may i do four um or instead of doing one you know, set to failure in the beginning, 25 reps of failure. Let me do two of those and then do clusters. Um, you know, maybe I, I take a step back on the rows on the bands. Maybe it's like a half, maybe four inches deeper and I'm getting a little more tension there. But to stress and quantify it and try to log everything right now, I think, I mean, it might be helpful for some people to do that, but other people might not be. So I think it's more or less there's not a right or wrong. Um, it just depends on the person and how it's going to make them feel like to mm-hmm. me, it's like, but I, how do you, how do I tell someone right now without really knowing what their training environment is, what equipment they have, how to make progress. So as a coach, what I've been doing is like, okay, let me just figure out who has what and, and kind of mm-hmm. go from there. So it's been a case by case basis. Um, but, and, but generally what I told all my athletes was, Hey, invest in some adjustable dumbbells. Mm-hmm. because that's a home gym right there like you can replicate any movement pattern with dumbbells so depending on if you have enough loading or not then you can kind of you know formally create some type of progression scheme um so it's kind of like my answers i know it's a little bit all over the place but to me i wouldn't be overly 
concerned about like trying to create a perfect progression model um, unless you're you just you know okay I'm able to do it a certain way because you have like enough equipment to do things like how do you how do you make a progression scheme with body weight mm -hmm. yeah it's difficult I think maybe I more think. reps or sets um, but I would and, and here's the thing too so it's again if I say hey guys create this progression model again you're you're basically wanting that sense of security ahead of time. Like I have to follow this plan in order to be optimal. Whereas if you just be reactionary, like, okay, I'm going to go in and train today. Yeah, I did this last week. Let's see if I can beat it. Yes or no or whatever, but go by feel like what's wrong with going by feel right now? Because again, you're going to learn more about yourself because you're not going to have all these external things you're thinking about. You're going to be more present with your training. Yeah, no, that's a really good way of thinking. I think it brings it back to, I think, um, I think a definition of pro progressive overload that I like rather than uh, thinking about it as I'm going to go in each workout and add a specified amount of weight is more to think about progressive overload as my progress in my ability to, to perform more work considering that I've had previous overloading sessions. And it's more of it's more of a marker of what you're able to do. And I think that really opens up the, the door to seeing progressive overload as sort of a more of an auto-regulated process that has a lot of different uh, routes you can take. So, I mean, if you're just using body weight, obviously you can uh, progress the, in, the intensity of the movement by going to something tougher, say from going from a squat to like a pistol squat, or in terms of reps, in terms of adding reps or, changing up rep schemes and um, sort of adding adding drop sets or adding uh, rest pause sets like the Meyer reps. And uh, you can, all of those, all of those uh, ways will get you progressive overload and will get you progress in the end and can definitely build me, muscle. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me throw this point out there. So let's just say last week you did, let's say push-ups, right? You did, let's say you did 30 reps on, on one set, on your first set, you do 30 reps. So let's say, and it was hard, let's say that's failure. So let's say this week you get in there, okay, I want to try to beat 30 push-ups. I, I need to get 32 or whatever. Let's say you only get 28 or 20, let's say 25, like five less than last week, but you go to failure. So do you think your body knows the difference between last week's 30 that went to failure or this week's 25 that went to failure? Like, is there a difference there? Yeah, the number's different. There's five less reps. But the stimulus is probably more or less going to be the same because you basically took it to failure. How does your body know the difference between that? Mm -hmm. That's what Jen, I'm asking you if you can answer that. <laughs> That's a good way of thinking about it. Um, I think, yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's a definitely like a few things that come so, into. So if you think about, it, okay, so there's five less reps, like it, your mind's telling you I performed less so I failed, but your muscles are telling you something different. Like, shit, that was hard. I went to failure. I can't do any more. And I got a serious pump. So how, in a sense, it's like, how can your muscle not improve on that? So let's say the following week you do 35 reps. Now you did five more. So maybe when you did 25 reps, it was five less than the week prior, but maybe it was just because you didn't get enough sleep. Maybe you were just dehydrated. 
maybe it was just a bad day, you know? And so mm -hmm. in a sense, it doesn't mean your muscle isn't getting the stimulus, isn't working and isn't forced to adapt. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's kind of my point prior to pandemic people had it in their, were chasing numbers or, or they had to basically uh, validate progress through numbers. Whereas now it's almost like you have to kind of let go of numbers. And that's what I mean by go by feel. So if you go by feel like, okay, how am I going to failure, you know, or are my muscles fatigued right now? You know, can I do another set? Like you start asking yourself these questions while you're training and you're relying on more like the feel, the instinct, um, and you're defining what a good workout is based off of how you're experiencing the actual workout itself, not based off of numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's more or less how I've been training like the last you know five, six, seven years when people ask me, you know, how do you. How, what's your progression scheme? I get that all the time. What's your progression scheme? And it's like, I auto-regulate. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, it's like, I look, okay, yeah, I can look at last week. Okay, I did these numbers. Let me try to improve that. But then as I'm in that training session, if I'm beating the numbers from last week, that's great. But if not, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do what I can do here and still train hard and not look at it as a failure because I'm still forcing my body to work at a certain level. You know, it's not like, oh, I can't beat last week's numbers. Now it's a pussy workout. Now I'm going to back off the loads and all that and, and have a throw a, a pity party because I can't do the numbers I did last time. It's like, mm -hmm. no, I'm still going to get after and work. My body's still working. And I move on from there. So that's what yeah. I'm trying to get people's mindset is just, hey, back off on trying to be quote unquote optimal and be okay with not knowing, you know, all the answers ahead of time and actually experience things internally mm -hmm. yeah no great points i think um looking back on my days when i when i would chase the logbook um there there were probably a lot of times when my my form was breaking down or i wasn't getting good reps in and i still kept like pushing myself through it just because i knew i like i'm gonna get three by 15 today like whether whether i need to you know, hip hinge this barbell curl or not. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, like, I think that there's a, a lot more to be gained by, um, just focusing on getting a good stimulus and just having a good feel on that, uh, that muscle, muscle group. Yeah. I mean, the form technique should be priority. So if you can get 15 reps, let's say you get the 15 reps, but the way I kind of do is like, I, I give myself a rating on form. If it's a 10 out of 10 form, good to go i can either increase the load shoot for more reps add a set whatever it's like it's it's my um basically it's like letting me say yeah you can you can move on if you're 10 out of 10 if i'm 9 out of 10 i'm usually okay with it so 9 out of 10 the way i kind of define it would be like um almost flawless form like maybe there's just a little bit of momentum a little bit of leverage but it's really hard for someone to notice it um so that's allowable <laughs> yeah. Eight out of ten is like, dude, I see you leaning. I see you jerking the weight if there's momentum. Like, no, you, you shouldn't be increasing the load. You shouldn't be shooting for more. You should basically make sure that form is nine out of ten first. So either maintain load or drop it down, clean the form up. Um, or, hey, you know, remove a set or, or drop the rep range down. Whatever needs to be done to ensure you're hitting 
10 out of 10 before you think about moving on. So one, one thing is that you're, you're ensuring that the muscle you're trying to target is doing all the work. And two, in, in my opinion anyways, for me, it definitely gives me peace of mind like I am doing what I need to do to potentially limit my risk for injury. So that's mm -hmm. kind of how more or less how, what I do with my training. Like I give myself form ratings on things and that's how I decide whether I'm, I'm able to maybe bump a load up or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's a, I think that's, that's definitely important. And I think, um, I think going through contest prep has also, uh, made me revisit the whole, uh, form and sort of stimulus aspect of things because the, you realize that there's so much, uh, like the amount of fatigue you generate from, from these things really starts to factor in when you're dieted down and you, you, you much rather get a good stimulus with less weight or less, uh, uh, number of reps that, uh, is technically, technically perfect and, uh, is just more, more of a feel on your muscle. Yeah, I'd rather I'd, I'd rather do a, a leg press versus like a squat when I'm like six, seven percent body fat. Yeah. Like getting under a squat bar just doesn't feel pleasant. Um, and you're already like the overall demand at that point is pretty high. So getting doing like some heavy ass squats, I mean, yeah, you might get through it, but then the aftermath is like the next day, like okay, yeah, that just wiped me out. Um, so that can definitely have a trickle down effect. Like if you just keep pounding like that day after day under that such demand of dieting, low body fat, yeah, it's pretty demanding. So you have to think about, okay, what's, what's practical, what's efficient and what's going to give me good stimulus, but, but yet get, allow for really good recovery. Um, so in a sense, you're balancing out that supply and demand really well. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's story for another day. Like contest prep right a lot of people right now are probably like torn between whether i prep or don't prep yeah uh, through through this situation yeah i actually wanted to touch on that so do you have any sort of special cases in terms of athletes or kinds of what are what are you doing with people yeah like i'm kind of allowing them to decide what's best for them um i'm not saying hey you need to prep or hey you should stop it's more or less just case by case uh, depending on context too. Um, but I'd say a couple have dropped out of prep just because the shows got either postponed to much later or they canceled it all together. So someone who's deep into their prep, it doesn't make sense. Like, hey, if your show's postponed until the fall to keep them that low body fat for that long period of time, it's just, it's not practical. It's probably not the, the healthiest thing to do. Um, so for them, it's like, yeah, let's just call it a day. Um, and then I have other ones that the shows, you know, July and, and beyond, you know, we have hopes that the shows are going to continue. So we're still, still prepping. And I know there's probably some concern with people like, oh, you shouldn't be low body fat levels right now. Um, you shouldn't be in a deficit with, you know, what's going on because of the pandemic. Um, but I think, um, you know, as long as you're not you know, making things super invasive where you're dropping a lot of weight really fast. Because obviously the more fatigued you're going to get, your immune system naturally is going to be a little more susceptible. 
Um, so just making sure that the deficit's not too great. Um, you know, you're still getting in, you know, plenty of micronutrients. You know, you're getting plenty of water in, you're getting enough sleep. You're not killing yourself in the gym. Like just really trying to make it a point to really balance out the demand really well, making sure that we're pacing things. Um, yeah, and any, any signs or hints of like, yeah, I think I'm run down, if it back off. Um, I had one athlete that actually, um, he got hit with allergies pretty hard, uh, but he wasn't sure, hey, did I catch this thing or not? <laughs> and it was like right away, like stop dieting. It was like stop training, stop dieting, and we just increased his food quite a bit and just chill. And um, yeah, basically, yeah, it's just uh, some case of really, really bad allergies, but but yeah, you don't you don't want to play around with this thing. Like I, I'm always one who like you know I'm very conservative, very cautious. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my my thoughts around it. But it's case by case. Um, I try to put myself in in their shoes. Like if I was prepping, what would I do? Um, I probably would keep keep going as long as um, things aren't overly invasive. And more or less, that's kind of how my preps have been. You know, the last five years been very very. Like, you, you know me, I've prepped for like a year. People are freaking out. It's yeah. a long time. I could be dieting for a year. But it's like the pace is just so slow. Um, it, I don't even necessarily feel it. And I think uh, last year I was only sick once. Um, and that was because my son got sick and he passed it on to me. Um, but outside of that, yeah, I just, I just never felt like I was super run down or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Allergies are the worst, man. Like, uh, I, I, I was in the same situation. As soon as the cherry blossoms come out here, I'll, I'll have a few days where it's bad. And I remember I was at the hospital and sneeze, and, like, every nurse in the unit, like, whips their head around. To uh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah, because last, yeah, last week, actually, because I've been getting hit with allergies myself. It's just that time of year. And last week, man, I was like, I woke up with a little bit of a sore throat. My, my, and you know, my nose was kind of like running and stuffy. I was like, oh shit, it started to freak out a little bit. But then my ears started to itch. I'm like, okay, this is allergies. <laughs> and so it's, it's definitely scary though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's some crazy times. Were there any things you wanted to, to bring up uh, while we're here, Jeff? Because main floor is open. <laughs> I think we've covered a lot. Hopefully people don't listen to all this and go, man, this guy doesn't care about progressive overload or, or any of that stuff. But it's just more like I just want people to just really realize that bodybuilding is not a necessity. It's, a, it's actually a luxury. And for a lot of us, it's, it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, pandemic or no, no pandemic, you know, what I've learned, you know, over my years is that the, most, the main thing is to have fun. Like, if you're not having fun doing it, like, if it's stressing you to the point where it's just, like, you're a big stress ball, you're worried about progress, you're worried about this, you're worried about that, it's, like, relax a little bit and just, just enjoy the fact that you're able to do what you're doing. Um, whether it's a, it's a push-up or it's, it's some elastic bands or it's, or you're, you know, moving 500 pounds on a deadlift. Like, just appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that you're able to do it um, because there's a lot of people in the world right now that uh, I'm pretty sure they wish they can, you know, play around with some push-ups. You know, they, people that can't walk or they have you know, serious illness, um, things like that. So that's kind of more or less, you know, what I'm trying to stress here is just chill, 
enjoy it. Um, it's temporary, hopefully, and we'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, it's good, good way to uh, think about things and just remember the perspective. And I like to think about uh, bodybuilding and training in general just as as playtime. So I think that having this this uh, period where you can sort of experiment with with things would is a good uh, little game for us, I think. Um, where and where are you at right now in terms of uh, your own bodybuilding uh, journey? In terms of your several months out now from your prep and yeah, so I'm going to probably compete next year. Um, oh yeah, yeah, in July. So Muscle Mayhem will probably be my return to the stage. So I'm probably going to end up cleaning things up as far as the dieting and all that probably around september october i'll start to clean things up a little bit um and in the meantime i'm just doing what i always do you know i'm training and fortunately i'm very grateful that i have a home gym so my training doesn't really change all too much um but yeah that's more or less kind of i'm still thinking about next year and you know i don't it's uncertain as far as what's going to happen with the pandemic if it's going to last you know a couple weeks or a few months who knows but i'm not taking that mindset of like okay i'm just i'm not going to care about the bodybuilding i'm no i'm still going to do what i do because that's my outlet that's something that i love to do and i'm still going to plan for it um and that's what i encourage everybody that's maybe listening who's like yeah i don't know about competing or whatnot it's still keep doing your thing um and if it's next year the year after keep keep doing keep training um, and just make the best of it. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about next year. Yeah, I'll be 50. So I'm excited okay. about getting on stage when I turn 50. I'll be 50 in June of 21. Oh yeah. So when I get on stage in July, I've just turned 50. So and I want to prove that you can still still this do this thing on a high level, but more importantly, on a high level and and enjoy it. That's the mm -hmm. main thing. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I think. Uh... You've been sort of a prime example of of, of, of that and the success story. So, anyways, thanks so much for coming back on, Jeff. And uh, I'll direct people to your Instagram. Still, as I say, uh, one of the best uh, Instagrams out there in terms of bodybuilding uh, experience and knowledge. And uh, the 3DMJ crew and the website and resources there. Thanks so much for coming on, Jeff. I appreciate that. And uh, be safe out there. Mm -hmm. That's all for now, guys. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe, give me a five-star rating, and leave me a review. My primary platform is YouTube, so if you'd like to see video content by me, you can find my YouTube channel if you search Ask Dr. Swole. See you next time.